Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Values and Beliefs series. And this one is uh, Keep Moving Forward. And basically what that means is living a life where, you know, if you're not committed to transformation, you're missing what Christianity personally is about on this earth for the rest of your life. You know, it's interesting because a lot of times when people get a hold of grace or they get a hold, they actually discover that there is a new covenant and that Jesus fulfilled the old covenant and you cannot mix the two. And that is the reason that Paul was so angry over and over and over and wrote all those letters is because all those people were still trying to pepper this new gospel, this new message, this new covenant, this new relationship that was possible with old covenant legalism. And see, God has always been after obedience, but he's been after obedience from the heart. And there's a big difference between doing something naturally out of the kind of being that you are and just doing the thing that's written in stone. If you're just doing the thing because it's the right thing to do, God doesn't like that. He's not angry at you. He's not spewing you out, but that's not what he's interested in. That's called legalism, and he turned the change tables over for all that kind of garbage. You know, so the, if, if Christianity is about being right and, you know, like whoever sins the least that week wins the prize for the best Christian that week, I mean, that is disgusting because that is like, you know, a husband and wife basically holding things against each other. And it's like, well, I've been doing the shopping all week. What have you done? Maybe that hit a little too close to home. I don't know. Sounds about right. Yeah, well, you know, that's a legalistic marriage. You might as well be saying, you got to do stuff for me because, look, there's a marriage license on the wall there. You owe me. You know, God's not sitting there going, you owe me. He's not interested in you doing the right thing just because it's the right thing. In the Hebrew mindset, there's no difference between trust and obey. There's one concept. If you actually trust God, the fruit of it is the obedience. That's why when James, who, you know, kind of came out of this whole really structured uh, Levitical mindset of law-keeping, and he was teaching it from the Hebrew perspective, that if you say you believe, you should have the associated fruit. But a lot of Christianity is about the fruit. Like we're running around wanting to judge the fruit. Well, you got bad fruit, therefore you, pro- you know, you, there's something wrong with you. You need to get saved again. You need to repent. And you might not even be saved. If you've had people step into your life that seemingly know the Bible really well and they start making you question your salvation because of your actions, they don't know the gospel. It's a paradox. Should your life reflect the fruit of holiness? Absolutely. But it will as you believe. Now, the gospel remains the gospel, but there are some differences in the way we understand how transformation works depending on what century we're in, right? For me, what I love to do is use a lot of the modern 
a lot modern technology and modern understanding of the mind and psychology and energetics and the quantum realm and all of that stuff because you know Romans tells us that everything that can't be seen is clearly understood by what you can see so this message today I'm going to talk about some things that you know make traditional Christianity a little nervous but it's like you know what we can we can utilize all the stuff that we've learned about humans to understand the mechanics of how God can work through us. So, you know, you hear this message, and it's like, praise God, why didn't anybody ever tell me? And then, and then, you know, you quit going to church for a while, and then you quit giving, and then some people, because of the condition of their heart, slide into that sin, and they don't feel so guilty about it any longer. And then you realize, well, that's not really, that's not where I want to go. This, this, my freedom, I don't, I don't want to use it for sin. And then you kind of, you start to realize that spirit within you will convict you of your holiness and your righteousness. And it's why you feel so bad and feel so guilty and condemned because you know better. Before you were born again, before you had that inner spirit, you didn't know any better. You might have known better intellectually, but the kind of being that you are wasn't resistant to that continual sin that we continue to choose, right? Now, see, the issue is with Christianity not try not to sin, it's understand who you are in Christ. That is the absolute root. So when you understand this, you understand that you are a different kind of being. And all of these messages that we've talked about, all of these core foundational beliefs and values, bring us to the point of this. You are free in God because God has used the agent of Christ to completely wash you of all your darkness and put his own spirit within you so that you are forevermore directly connected to God in a context of love, and that will never change. And then Paul heard it. Oh, you preach it like that? And then, well, what about sin? And Paul addressed it. Well, does that mean we should continue in sin? God forbid. Why would you even go there? I, I, don't, I don't understand. Now, the issue of understanding identity, it's pretty simple. You're a child of God. You're accepted in him because of what Christ did. All right, yeah, but my life looks like this. And so here's the problem. Here's where all these denominations come in because most denominations agree on the basic gospel, right? That uh, salvation is by grace through faith, not of works. You can't take credit for it. You know, you can't earn it. Pretty much every believer believes that. Every denomination, even the really strange ones believe that. Even the most legalistic ones believe that. But then the condition of your life is where we get all these different denominations from. So I want to look today at the, at the heart and understanding, you know, we went through this whole thing of looking at being, having a circumcision performed upon us without hands inwardly, and it removed the old you. It removed the, the uh, how does Colossians say it? The, uh, the root, the old man or the old nature. It removed the body of the flesh. That's the phrase, right? See, I got to get spiritual and hear from God if y'all aren't helping me out. That's what it says, the body of the flesh. Now, it's interesting because that word flesh there is the word sarks. And when you go, I know, I'm going to get technical for a minute and then we're going to go into something that's, to me, like one of my favorite things to talk about. The word sarks is the word flesh. And it's applied two different ways. One way, and we went through all this, but this is a little bit review. One way that flesh is applied is this skin. 
Another way that flesh is applied is nature. And you have to understand what the author is speaking about, whether he's talking about that bag of bones or he's talking about the old nature. Because in Colossians, it says that he removed the body of the flesh. But you still have skin, right? So he's talking about the nature aspect of you. And this is where the, 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 you know, the doctrinal division comes in. It's like, well, we're all still depraved. We're all still, we're all still sinners. We're saved by grace. God credits righteousness. It's like, no, he removed the old kind of being that you were, that root of, of flesh nature that craves, in, or, or that is at enmity against God and craves carnality. He removed that and put a new core within you. It's like he put a brand new operating system in you that works and does not naturally desire sin. The kind of being that you are now does not by nature desire carnality or to fulfill itself. It by nature craves righteousness and holiness. The deepest part of the kind of being that a new believer is, that a believer in Christ is, is truly holy and righteous because of what he's done to you. Amen? Now, why does my life look the way that it does? Because of what you let go on in your mind is the problem. Not because the kind of being that you are, he changed that. Why does this one get healed and that one doesn't get healed? What's going on inside of you? Is God a healer or is he not a healer? And see, this is where all the, the sovereignty kind of things come in. Actually, it's a misinterpretation of what sovereignty is. And then, and then the cessation of whether or not he even heals today or not, or is he active or not. You know, all these different denominations come in. But when you understand there is a truth, and that is God. And God is who he is, who he is, and that never changes. The closer you get to God, the more you experience his reality in him, you experience the quality of life that is in him. And it's not that he's choosing who gets to have different aspects of his quality of life. It's that how much are you going to let yourself be affected by his truth? That's the only difference. The difference is not he's given you this and he's given you that and this is really good for you and this is really bad and they're traditional definitions of good and bad. It's no, how much of God am I going to let myself experience? That's what the parable of the sower is all about. Mark 4, the condition of the inner core of what and who you are, in other words, what it's believing, what it's allowing to grow, determines the kind of yield of the kingdom that is within you in your outer world. Now, it's interesting because there are some folks that wake up to the new covenant, they wake up to the gospel, and it's kind of like we go all these different weird directions. Some people say, I can't even sin anymore because Christ is just living through me. Anything I do is godly because it's just Christ living in me. He's in control, and it's just whatever I do, it's just, it's just Jesus living through me. And, and John addressed that in 1 John. He's just like, if you say you don't have sin, then you're crazy. Are you kidding me? What's wrong with you? And he was talking to believers. So the issue is not what's God doing. The issue is what do I believe he's already done? Oh, so you're saying I've got to have more faith. No, it's not about having more faith. It's about being confident in who God is. The more confident you are in who God says he is, the more you will experience those aspects of his nature. 
the more confident you are in who God is, the more you will experience those aspects of his nature. Think about it. This is starting to sound like that prosperity gospel, brother. <laughs> well, what do you think it's like in God's kingdom? Now, don't, don't somehow shape that into some carnal thing into this world, but it's like, are you kidding? What we're talking about here is experiencing life in God. The, full, the, the fruit of the prayer of Christ as it is on, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. I'm trying to crunch all of this like 10 message series into one day. <laughs> so here's the deal. You're free in God. Enjoy yourself. You know, what if you like, it's kind of like this. What if you drove down the road and you never worried about what, how many of you like constantly checking the speed limit? Right? Especially if you're on the highway, you're looking at the speed limit, right? It's like, all right. What are you, seven over, nine over? What do you, what's your, 20 over? Well, he's driving to Atlanta every day, so that's, you know, he's on 285. That's acceptable, right? Think about it, though, right? What if you, what if you didn't think about it? What if there was something inside of you that just naturally knew what the speed limit was and you never even looked at it? You're just like, I'm just cruising here. My, my thoughts are more on safety and, oh, look at that person. How sweet that person is over there. You know, what if your driving experience had nothing to do with the legality of the speed limit? You just kind of naturally did that. You know, that, that's what life, I mean, that's a very crude example. That's what life in Christ is like. You're not concerned. You're not conscious of law. You're not conscious of sin, whether or not you're doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. What does God want me to do? It's a matter of, I am so convinced that this is who God is because he's revealed to me in his word and my spirit confirms it within me. His spirit confirms it within me. I just naturally live this way. That's the product of transformation. You know, where you're not filtering everything through your own processes of is this the right thing to do or is this the wrong thing to do? I can't believe they did that to me. What they did to me makes me feel this way. And it's like, you know, so much of our experience of God is filtered through our ego and we're just so selfish about it. I was listening to Ravi Zacharias this week, and man, he opened, and it was so cool how he opened his message, and he said, he said, look, basically, I'm summarizing, look, I've got an accent, I'm going to, my style may offend you, but please just listen to the message and make your own decision. If something that I do upsets you or offends you, listen to the message, and you decide from there, right? And I love that. He's like, just, I just... I don't, I'm not interested in projecting my ego, I'm feeling from him. I'm not interested in you looking at the man and thinking, well, that was really cool. He really knows this. I don't care. I could care less about that. I couldn't care less about that stuff, honestly. It's like, I feel like Jesus is standing here, and all I want to do is talk about him to the degree that you actually become persuaded that who he is. And we're all doing this collectively, right? It's about Jesus. Now, why aren't you experiencing him? Why aren't you experiencing all those promises that he said he's given you? Well, maybe your theology kicks in and says, well, maybe he needs me to suffer to be a little bit more holy, then I can receive it. Or maybe your theology says, well, he gives me what I need, but he doesn't give me what I want. 
Maybe your theology, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's like, all right, forget all that stuff. Imagine yourself already in heaven, and are those limitations factors? You know what I mean? You're standing in heaven. You're already there. Are all of those things that your answers of why you're not experiencing all of the promises of God in this life, do, do any of them stand in heaven? And see, this is the point that's really challenging for us to grasp because this is where that responsibility comes in. Wait a minute. That's the four-letter word in the grace message, responsibility. What are you talking about? We just, God love God, God loves us. And blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, no. It starts there. You know, absolutely always stay rooted in you love God because God first loved you. That is the commandment of Christ. Love God with everything that you are. Well, I'm not doing a very good job of that. Well, then you've forgotten how much he loves you. You're not, you're not doing a very good job of loving God? Hey, man, join the club. All you've done is you've forgotten how much he loves you. You've forgotten that you're forgiven. You're not currently experiencing the radical love that he has for you that makes you whole. In this moment, you feel broken. You're acting broken. You only see broken things in the world. Well, you're not aware of God's love for you in this moment. Everything. I mean, even what you see, the glasses that you put on and look at the world through. And I'm not talking about denial or ignoring things. You know, one person looks at the broken world and says, everything's broken and it's all evil and the only relief we're going to have is to die and go to that dimension. And some people even, that becomes such a reality that they take their own lives because there's no hope at all in this dimension, in this realm, in this world, that it's like everything good is over there, everything bad is here, and there's such a separation in who God is in me in this world that we think, Leaving this world is the answer. And that's not the answer. Experiencing his world in this world is the answer. And it starts in here. And it all starts with, do you know that he loves you? Well, that's an oversimplification there, brother. All right, well, let's get legalistic for a minute. Love God with everything that you are. <laughs> well, how do I do that? Well, we love him because he first loved. Oh, it goes back to him loving me. Okay. Your life, you know, you got some things in your life that aren't so pretty, you don't want the world to know. You know why they're there? Because you don't know God's love for you in that area. So how do you do that? How do you incorporate? How do you live from that place, right? Because it's, it's not just, okay, well, I know God loves me. This is where the Ephesians 3 aspect kicks in. And because the way that, so let's go ahead and put this image up here. A lot of you are familiar with this. I'm going to try to go through as much of this as I can. Um, I learned this. This kind of model, you know, people, a lot of different people have different variations. I was first exposed to it in Bible college at Impact with uh, Jim Richards, and I've kind of taken it and modified it and changed it. And, you know, the problem of trying to describe a human with anything written is it just doesn't, it just doesn't work, okay? You know, you know what I mean? These are concepts that can help us understand, but don't look... See, because you might look at this and think that your spirit and soul are separate, like Scott and I were talking about before church. You know, it's, your soul and spirit really aren't that aren't separate. 
You are a living soul that has the Spirit of God mixed in there somehow. You know, we, we can't, it's kind of like trying to define the Trinity. You are triune, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But what we do know is we can look biblically at descriptions of functions of different things, and these are as close as, we, as, as I have seen to a biblical expression of how we are connected to God yet still in this earth, all right? So, above all else, guard your heart, for it affects your whole life. And as you think in your heart, so are you. Let me back up for just one second. There's a couple of scriptures I want to set the mind, I want to set the stage for, because where, where you are as a believer is once you understand what Christ has done for you, and you really just kind of always have to reaffirm that, that's why we talk so much about identity, because everything comes out of that, your, your understanding of who God is, what he wants for you. Everything is understood in what Christ did for you and who you are in him. So Christianity is not about trying to stay out of sin to keep God happy. He already took care of sin. He's not holding it against you. Jesus paid for every single one of them. Now don't do it. Pretty much end of story, right? You're free from sin. Don't do it anymore. Okay, good, we good there? Sin, bad, don't do it? Why do you still do it? Not your nature. Something going on with this thing here. So let's look at those passages, if you would, Romans. This is, this is where we are, and we're talking about living a life of a committed disciple that's committed to tran the transformative process. Because yeah, here's the deal, at some point, as believers, we have to, actually make the decision that we're going to believe the Word of God. I'm telling you, I have sat in front of people in my counseling office and different places, and it's like, what's your problem? Here's the problem. All right, this is what the Word says. Well, but what I believe, <laughs> I can't help you. I can't do anything for you. Now, one person would hear, well, this is what the Word says. I'm just going to do it. And I, the more I do it, and I try, and I try, and it's not working for me, Lord. Okay, well, you're missing that heart element. You're missing that aspect of being persuaded at a heart level and living God's wisdom and logic and law and code naturally out of your heart. If it's not naturally coming out of your heart, you aren't convinced of it yet in your mind and experiencing it in, that, in your soul. The reason you still choose sin is because you're not experiencing the nature of God within you. He gave you all, the, all his promises are yes and amen so that you would be a divine, would you would be a partaker of his divine nature. Think about that. God made you promises so you would be a partaker of his divine nature. Wow. And that's why you're breathing oxygen, not whatever it is we breathe in heaven. You know what I mean? All right, I'm trying to pause here because I know I'm throwing a lot at you. But ultimately, we're talking about one thing, and that is because of what Christ has done through you and who you are in him, now in this life, a disciple of Christ is committed to living out his reality, his truth, his word, his moral code, his law, 
but he's not after you doing it just in your actions. It's got to be birthed from a transformed heart. God's always been after obedience, but he's after obedience from the heart. So how do you obey from the heart? It's not just an action. You don't start externally to obey. You start internally to obey. If externally you're not obeying, it's because something's wrong internally. And it's not nature. It's a disconnect between who you really are and who you think you are. That's reflected in your actions. Amen? Don't conf- don't, do not conform to the pattern of... And, and it's so interesting that when God, when Christ and, and the New Covenant epistles, when they really address sin issues, they always talk about your thought life. Always. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And this word transformed is the same word that was used of Jesus when he was on top of that mountain and his inner circle looked at him, and he transfigured, and they saw Moses and Elijah, and he was shining and bright. Same word. You are transfigured by the renewing of your mind. Well, I thought I became more Christ-like as my actions got cleaned up. No, your actions will get cleaned up the more you know you already are Christ-like in the core of what you are. You know, the picture is like of Da Vinci carving Michelangelo. You know, he looked at this scrap rock and looked at it and said, no, I see a masterpiece in there. The masterpiece is the core of what this thing is. And so all I'm doing is just taking away what doesn't need to be there to see that perfect statue of David. You are that perfect statue that Christ has already built internally. And the only thing that needs to happen is all this extra junk that we have on the outside of us that's hiding who we really are. And that happens as you renew your mind. You already are that thing, but you're not acting like it because you don't believe it in your heart. So don't be conformed to the pattern of this will be transformed or transfigured by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's... It's like, what am I supposed to do, God? Well, you got to experience some transformation in your mind first. You, you, you can't discern what the will of God is until you start to think like him. God, just tell me what to do. You wouldn't do it anyway. You're not in agreement with me. You're not ready to obey from the heart. You're just wanting me to tell you what to do. Not going to do it. Actually, he is trying, but we're not hearing because it's being filtered through this lie that we think that we are. One of the biggest lies of performance-centered religion is to tell a blood-washed child of God that you're still a sinner by nature. I mean, that is one of the biggest tricks the enemy has pulled in the body of Christ. I'm serious, man. I am... am, Anyway... Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In the next verse, this is Romans 8, 29, for those, who God, for those God foreknew. Now, this is kind of a reflection of Ephesians, and you know, ultimately what he's talking about is the, the predestination that you would be saved and transformed through Christ. And I have time to go through this whole teaching again. But the point is a little further down. For those God foreknew, he also predestined 
to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So you are, you are to be conformed into the image of his son. And then the next verse, this is over in Ephesians 4. And I know I'm kind of cherry picking, but the, the concepts are the same, that, that however is not the way of life you learned, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, truth is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You can still be deceived in this new creation identity, but you can choose truth just as easily. To be made new in the attitude or spirit of your mind, and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And it all happens in the mind, it says. And then it's reflected in the actions. You don't put on holiness by changing a behavior because that doesn't really change anything. You might outwardly look better. You might feel better, which is really just... So, do you realize that if you resist a sin and then you feel better about it, you could be self-righteous? Oh, I, I resisted that sin. I didn't sin today. I feel really good. Well, you self-righteous thing, you. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying, right? It's, we experience joy as we live in holiness and righteousness. It's good to feel good about the quality of your life, but it shouldn't change. You shouldn't change how you feel about yourself based on your behavior. God doesn't. All right, let's keep going. Go back to this image. So here's the deal. If we are already truly righteous and holy, then why don't we act like it? Because you have control over your mind and uh, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, this works. Would you put that graphic, the heart graphic back up, please? Being transformed as you renew your mind works both ways. You are right now in this moment being transformed into whatever it is that you have let live within your mind and in your soul. Your life looks like what you believe about yourself inwardly. Well, no, God's in control of everything. He's the one that's chosen this. Are you kidding me? I ran over a squirrel yesterday morning. You telling me that God ran, made that thing run out in front of me so I could run over it? I seriously thought that. I'm like, and I saw it coming. I'm like, oh, no. I was in the neighborhood, and boom, I felt so bad. I avoided them and stopped, and they run back, but it just I couldn't avoid that. I've avoided a bunch of them. There's kamikaze squirrels all over my neighborhood, but I could not avoid this one. Man, he's just bloop, 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 bloop. You telling me God sent that? Because the one, because the guys that say that everything's already predetermined, God, God determined that already. God, th thousands of years ago, or millions, or billions, or whatever you, however you see it, God decided that that on that moment I would be driving right there on that piece of road and run over that squirrel. If you are a disciple of Christ and not just a believer, if you are committed to living a holy and righteous life that reflects the will of God for you. You have to understand how you are connected with God and how to 
change your mind, which is just repentance. See, some people say, well, you don't have to repent anymore. Well, I hope you repent every day, all day long, which means you change or you just change the way that you think. We're in this process of tweaking our thoughts and our feelings and our perceptions and our understanding to always get closer and closer and closer to who God is and what his truth is so that his truth becomes our reality. Because we are living in all these splintered different realities and our reality can be sometimes reflecting God's truth and sometimes it's completely off the grid of what God's truth is. Now, the problem is we look at the condition of this world and we think, well, this must be what God wants. Otherwise, why would it look like that? Because after all, he's in control. It's like, well, you just missed the element that he gave mankind dominion. The biggest thing that you have dominion over is not really necessarily the animals or the trees. Then this is where modern science can come in, right? Like we hear... Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Whatsoever man believes in his heart. How does it say? How's it go? Or as a, yeah, as, as you believe in your heart, so are you. But Jesus said, said uh, whatsoever things you pray, if you believe, you shall receive. How does that work? Does, do you, so if you really believe and you pray, God, I really, I'm, I really believe. And God says, Oh, yeah, I'm convinced you really believe. Here, do you receive because God says, okay, I'm convinced that you really believe. Now I'll give it to you. You receive because you're receptive. And see, here's the thing, too. Modern science has shown that mankind actually affects our surroundings. Now, you can get weird with that. You can get new agey and start sitting down and meditating on a big house coming to you and all these kinds of things. You're not supposed to use that stuff for car now. That, I honest, golly, I got 19 tracks in my mind right now. <laughs> I'm going to pause, push pause for just a moment. And, and that, on, the, the fallen angels that came to earth and their offspring, the giants, the Nephilim that set themselves up as gods and kings on this planet, and you hear the stories about how they ate humans and devoured mankind and, and just dominated and controlled mankind. You look in real, you know, esoteric, like, like Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah, and you start to see where this kind of fallen angel mentality comes in, which is associated with the demonic realm, right? And what those magic belief sets teach is that you can say certain incantations to make certain kinds of things happen. And you can say this particular secret name of God, and it will control this facet of this creation, and it will cause these things to come back to you. Now, here's what's crazy. If you use that from a carnal perspective, because mankind has dominion over this planet, you can pervert this world's economy, so to speak, and live in a very selfish way. I'm telling you, there are, you ever seen The Secret? It's a video, it's, it's mostly New Agers on there, and basically they teach this. Sit down, create a board of what kind of car you want, what kind of house you want, what kind of income you want, what kind of this you want. None of those things are bad, per se, but it says sit down, 
and just meditate on them and see them coming to you. And I'm telling you story after story after story after story after story. People have received what they've sat and meditated on. And they thank the universe for doing it for them. Why does that work? Why would that? Is God answering their prayer? I'm telling you, I know it's a little weird, it's a little strange, but, it, but I'm, there are people that have sat down and they do that and they get exactly what they have visualized. Why? God gave us dominion. Even the most perverted human on the planet can work. It's, it's, it's just operating in this world the way God designed it to work. That's all that's happening. You're going to reap what you sow. Whatever you believe in your heart, it can come to pass. Good or bad. That's mostly what's going on. We are reaping what we are sowing, and the sowing starts in your imagination and in your mind and what you believe about yourself. So God says, all right, I gave mankind this capacity to affect all of creation like this, and what they've done is cut themselves off from me, and they've begun to sow their own desires and egos and, and, and lust into this world. So what it's giving back to them is death, even in their own body. And he says, I'm going to break that cycle and inject them with my spirit, my seed of who I am, because humans have dominion over this planet. If I'm living within them, they can begin to sow me into these surroundings. The world is in the condition that it's in because of what mankind has done to it. Not the, not the plan that God wrote from the beginning. Did God know it was going to happen? Sure. Yeah, that's a really good question. She said, what, she said, what do those giants have to do with that anyway? Well, because when you look at that ancient magic that really is reflected today in the secret, the law of attraction... Because those fallen angels knew that mankind had dominion over this planet, they taught mankind how to do those kinds of things through magic and incantations and all that, right? So they perverted God's intention, although it still works the same way. You know? I mean, don't lose your minds over a political thing right now, but take guns, for instance. I'm not trying to make a political statement, do but do guns kill people or do people kill people? You might use the gun, right? Cars, knives, hands, ropes, whatever. Nothing is evil in and of itself, only the intention of the heart. I'm not trying to make a political statement, but I probably will take my gun to Florida with me. So you just wonder. <laughs> but anyway, that's the point, right? Because the enemy wants to pervert mankind's dominion over this planet and it's like we started sowing into it selfishness and it it gave back to us death all creation is groaning and travailing for the manifestation of the sons of god the earth the planet the universe let's say is waiting for us to say oh that you mean that's who i am that's who god is i think i'm gonna love you instead of choosing the selfish option all the time. Because when I sow love, God says that will attract people to him. And the more people are attracted to him, the more this planet will reflect his desire and his will. 
And so if you want to know what God's will for your life is, do you know what God thinks about that particular area of life in the first place? Right? It, because the fruit of being transformed by the renewing of your mind is that you understand or you can test or prove out what the will of God is. A lot of us are sitting there praying, God, what's your will? What are you doing? What do you want me to do? But you're not willing to change how you think. And it starts with, we love God because he first loved us. Okay, well, that's real simple. It's not working for me, all right? It might not be working for you because of what's going on in here. It's not because God's picking on you. It's not because he has some weird obsession with his creation experiencing a different quality of life than he enjoys. I mean, that'd be really strange, right? You have kids, and it's like you, you make them sleep in the basement, and they are in the dark all the time, and they're cold, and they're depressed, and they're scared. And I mean, you're up there eating steak or whatever you eat, enjoying your life, and your kids are freaking out in the basement. I'm telling you, it just takes a fundamental shift in who you think God is in some ways to then start getting actual answers for why this world looks like it does and why your life looks like it does. And then when you make that shift about who you think God is, God is who Christ revealed him to be. Then you can start taking responsibility for the condition of your life, which is what a disciple does. That's why I would talk about so much about how much God loves you, who you are in him, what Christ did for you, so that we can pause every now and then and preach this message of responsibility. It should naturally produce the fruit of responsibility. But if we hurt, heard, and see, this is why churches get legalistic and focus on the right thing and the right doctrine and, and, the, and always talking about the fruit, is because it's like, of course we should reflect the right fruit. And if I just beat them up enough, if I beat them with guilt and condemnation enough and tell them this is what you, I mean, you know, you got kids, you're always telling them what to do, and you're angry at them, and you're yelling at them. You're you ever stop? How many of you ever tried this? You stopped, you connect with your kids, you explain to them to the value of what it is, and then they kind of change. They only change for a little while, you know. <laughs> but they get it. They're invested. Oh, this is, this, is, this is who I am in this family rather than I just got to go clean the leaves out of the pool type thing. You know what I mean? It's like, no, there's a purpose here, and it's a purpose based on identity. So... Let me run through this just quickly. And if you can't see it back there, there's some seats up front. Please feel free to come <laughs> forward. You can see some of these words written, and if you're listening just on audio, basically we've got three circles, spirit, soul, and body. In between spirit and soul is the heart, and in between soul and body is the brain. Now, you are who you are in Christ, right? When you get born again... I'm going to walk over here, so if you want to, just helps me be closer to it. But you are who you are eternally. And eternally, you are in Christ, right? You are hidden with Christ in God forevermore. Amen? Now, the advice would be keep the faith. Keep believing. Amen? All right, so the nature and core of what kind of being that you are is one with the spirit of the living God. Now, 
in your soul. And again, some of these terms fall short, but we can understand the dominion that we have even over ourselves. The soul is where your mind and your conscious, your, your conscience is, and your consciousness may be even bigger. I know that's a whole other topic, really. But the heart, and we get this through descriptions of the inner man and what the heart, you know, the heart. The heart, I think, is like the eighth most popular word in the Bible. Did you realize that? Like the word obey is in there, I think, 200 and something times. The word heart is in there almost 900 times. Out of the heart. All right, so this is Proverbs up here. Above all else, guard your heart. It affects your whole life. And as you think in your heart, so are you. If we actually take that at its word, if we actually look at that and believe it, it will bring us to the conclusion that indeed, whatever you believe in your heart, so are you. And your heart affects every aspect of life. Now, stuff happens. There are injustices happen. There are things that are beyond your control. I get that. I'm not saying that, you know, this injustice that happened to you is a reflection of what you believe about yourself. Sometimes stuff just happens. Random things happen. But by and large, collectively, over the arc of your entire life, your life looks like what you believe about yourself inwardly. And it's like this internal guidance system inside, and it's like every decision that you make, you've got this little self-portrait on the inside of you. And you go and you start to make this decision and you stop and you look at it and you say, okay, I don't see that in that picture, so I'm not going to make that decision. I'm going to make this decision because it's not there. And you'd maybe not see the goodness or the holy or the righteous decision or the decision for promotion in that self-portrait. So you choose the limited option. What this does is it gives you a new heart so that your self-portrait is Jesus. You look on the inside of you, and you realize, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I look inside, I see Christ living in there. And what I want to do is continually repaint this portrait, this self-portrait, so that it is conformed into the image of Christ. And that, that it transforms my mind so that I live out the will of God. And as this self-portrait in you is replaced by Christ, you make those options. If you believe, you know, whatever area it is that you continue to stumble, if you believe that you are who Christ is in the same kind of situation, you're just naturally going to choose that choice, right? Like, none of you right now want to run up here and start banging your head on this stage, right? Nobody wants to do this. Anybody want to do that? We'll pray for you if you do. <laughs> but some of y'all might want to go back there and eat five pieces of that chocolate cake that was on that table back there. Some of you already did. Because <laughs> you want that cake, right? See, and this, this takes, this takes, this just dismantles the sin argument, right? The reason you still choose sin is because you like it and you want it and it's familiar to you. You know, there are all kinds of destructive things that you don't want to do, and you're not choosing them because you realize they're destructive to you. It'd be really dumb to run out in the street in front of a truck, but it makes a whole lot of sense to keep doing that thing, even though it's killing you just as much as that truck would. 
because it feels familiar to you. Inside, you think, well, this is just what I do. I have learned to live with this. And then some theology says, well, it's just I can't help it. It's just who I am. It's, it's, it's my nature to choose death. Well, you don't realize that you've been given a new core, a new inner man. And see, a life committed to Christ, a life of a committed disciple, absolutely at its core is committed to transformation. And the transformation process happens as you renew your mind. And you renew your mind specifically to the reality and the truth that you have been recreated after the nature of God, which is true holiness and righteousness. Did you follow that? A disciple committed to following Christ is committed to experiencing transformation. How does transformation happen? It happens as you renew your mind. What do I renew my mind with? You put off the old, you put on the new, the new that was created in the likeness and the image of God, truly holy and righteous. It's really pretty simple. It's just that these aren't the things that church usually majors on. But I want to make the main thing the main thing and stick to the core and then let all these other fruit issues they will take care of themselves as you put on this new man, but you're not trying to become that new man. You are trying to metamorpho into that new man. It's already in you. It is Christ in you. And the more your mind is renewed to his truth, it will become your reality. But the problem is the external world is still very appealing and logically makes a lot of sense sometimes, right? It makes the world, if, if it's... If you know it's dumb, but you still choose it, that's the way of the world. But inwardly, you know better. So the world out here has the five senses and circumstances and situations. If you, you understand God based on what you are receiving from the world, you're missing the point. It's like, it's like looking through broken glasses and wondering why you can't see straight. It's the glass that's a problem, right? If God is defined by the condition of your life, if he is, you think he is who he is because of what's going on in the world, like in other words, you look at externally and you look at a broken world and you say, this is God because this is happening out here. I mean, that's like looking at death and in you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting hungry or something, but. <laughs> so what happens is, it's like, you know, we live in this world and we decide who God is because of a broken system. It's like, no, 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 no. Start with who God is. Understand, and you best understand who God is through Christ. And as you understand who Christ is, and you identify with what he's done in you and through you, it is then the filter that you see everything through. The reality that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus is the truth. Now, how do I understand this death and this disease and this sickness and this lack and this poverty and this depression and this sadness and this over here? How do I understand those things in light of what the truth is? And 
Sometimes what we do is we step outside of our identity and we sit in the depression and we sit in the darkness and we sit in the pain and the destruction and the sin. And sometimes that sin even defines who we are and we start to say, I am my sin. You so identify with that sin that you don't even know that the real you is over here seated in Christ. Now I'm talking about for believers, those who have said yes to Christ, right? The way you conquer anything the way you live in righteousness, peace, and joy to its fullest, the way you experience wholeness inwardly is first reshape in your mind who God is through Christ, understand that you are in him, and put in your mind until the, fe- until the point that you feel it, his truth, and his truth will become your reality. A disciple is committed to transformation, but you can't, have, it can, you can't make it happen on your own. You know, you have this seed of Christ within you. And the more that you nurture this seed, the more that you water that seed, and the way that you do it is by choosing what you're going to let live in your mind, that will be the reality of your life. And it takes discipline. You are to discipline yourself. You are to discipline your mind with the Word of God. You are to discipline your soul and your understanding with God's logic. See, because here's the thing. It's already in there. You already know exactly what He thinks about everything. Jesus said, you're no longer servants. I made you friends. A servant doesn't know what his master knows, but a friend knows everything. He said, I have revealed to you everything that God has made known to me. Inside of you, there's not one thing that you don't know that you think you need to know. You know everything God knows because God's in there. Doesn't make you God, doesn't mean you're going to become a God. We're not Mormons. But it means that God lives in you. And he has redefined the kind of being that you are. Now, you choose how much you're going to limit that. Well, sounds like you're saying if I believe all this, then then I'll never be sick and everything will go perfect in my life. And Well, that's your choice. I, I'm not trying to define doctrine for you of what you think your life should look like. I'm just trying to get you to understand who you are in him and let that affect your life. I mean, I obviously do have personal beliefs. I mean, I think healing is absolutely one of the fruits. Not only is it a fruit of the Spirit of God living within you, Jesus paid for you to have it. Well, I don't believe God. I don't believe God heals. You tell me God wants everything healed all the time? Well, do you have an immune system? (laughs) What is your immune system for? Doctors can't figure out why people die. If they just look at the system, you know, you, your cells regenerate, but they regenerate the diseased ones again. Why doesn't it do like in the womb and generate the healthy ones? They've shown that, golly, there's so many things. This is like a 12-part series. that <laughs> Beliefs affect that stuff. We're moving from believers as we wrap up this series, the whole, you know, the, what we offer when somebody walks through these doors is freedom. But then we will challenge you to take fierce responsibility for that freedom and reflect 
the will of God in your life. And the way that we've chosen to define it is you're moving from a believer to a disciple to a servant to a leader. A lot of us are just believers. We're believers in a lot of areas. And it doesn't mean that a disciple isn't yet a leader or a believer is not yet a leader. And, you know, I'm not trying to limit any of that type of stuff. It's just the way that we're defining the journey here. And I think it's one of the reasons why some people, I'll just be honest, sometimes people come in this door and they're like, man, they're too serious over there. Well, that's too deep. Or I don't get it. You know, I've had people, I don't get it. Well, maybe I'm not teaching it as clearly as I need to. And God helped me speak better, you know, but... And it's not that maybe they're not called here. But I mean, I'm telling you, people that come through that door, I hope engage the worship. I hope are set at peace in their relationship with God through hearing about the love of God and the finished work of Christ. But my deeper prayer is that it turns into a life of discipline and personal devotion to transformation, to only reflect Christ in you. And it happens as you take responsibility for what what you're letting go on inside of your heart, what you're letting happen within you. And this is the biggest thing when I sit with people is to get them first to change the way that they think. I mean, I'm telling you, it is one of the hardest things to do is to get people to shift how they see God. It's like, well, what does God loving me have to do with this debt over here? What does God loving me have to do with my son over here who's experiencing death? What does God loving me have to do with my daughter whose life is a mess right now? It's like, well, you first experience the wholeness that God's love can bring for you. And then you can understand how to bring that to other people. Because if you're not experiencing it for yourself, you cannot have hope for that person. You're waiting because God hasn't shown up and fixed your life. You don't know why he's not showing up and fixing their life. Am I hitting too close to home? I'm telling you. Now, the gospel is still the gospel. You can preach it, whether you're experiencing it or believing it or not, and I hope that you do. But I hope that you experience it. I hope that inwardly you are transformed. I hope that inwardly... You, you're like in a Disney movie in the perfect scene always inside of you and the birds are chirping and there's no clouds and the rainbow and it's just, you know, life is carefree on the inside of you no matter what happens because you understand who God is inside of you and then you can give that to people. But it's as you are committed to first off, knowing God's love for you, letting that love bring wholeness to you, first and foremost. That is, that is like the very first starting place for a disciple, but you, it never ends. Every day, wash your mind and your heart with the extravagant love that God has for you. Meditate on what Christ did for you. See him on that cross. Understand what happened in that death, burial, and resurrection. You know, let it, let it actually affect your emotions and how you feel about yourself, what God chose to do in Christ. You know, because otherwise the world is got, the world is going to start affecting how you think. Which one is it? So as you think in your heart, so are you. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be dedicated every day. Now, it's not a legalistic thing. I mean, it, 
You know, it's such a paradox. It's a relationship. It's just like marriage. Sometimes marriage is, it's like, it just feels like work. Sometimes it's like, it just, everything is just, it's just great. It's just easy. I don't have to worry about that. Good thing we're going into the relationship message next week. So. <laughs> Live a life committed to transformation. Transformation happens as you renew your mind. What you use to renew your mind is the fact that you have been created in the likeness and image of God. You are truly holy and righteous. And the more that that reality is your reality, it will, it will be reflected in every area of your life. That is the problem that you have. The fact that you are not first seeing yourself these ways are the reasons that they're not in your life outwardly. It's really just as simple as that. It's not because God's withholding it from you. It's not because you're the one and only person on this planet it doesn't work for. And here's the really the most frustrating aspect, and I think I'll end on this. No one can really explain to you how it works. It's deep, intimate connection and relationship with God. It's submitting your heart to Him and letting Him influence you. And, and it's a very intuitive process. It is not an intellectual process. The intellect only catches glimpses of it. Your mind only can understand what your heart has first perceived. You know, you're not going to understand with your mind and then your heart get it. It will not work that way. Your heart has to see the reality of who God is. Your heart has to perceive the kingdom of God. Your heart has to, your heart has to get, see it. It's like, okay, I see it. I get that. I, I get it. And then rest in that and let that affect every area of your life. Amen? Did you get something out of it? Yeah. Jesus. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your spirit that lives within us. We give you all credit for our salvation. And we place all of our affection, uh, we place our mind on you. And we are willing to believe that you recreated us into righteous and holy creatures. Father, I don't understand how it works, but I trust that your spirit within me is transforming me outwardly. And that's all I want. All I want is you living through me. Father, I, re I, I give you my mind. I give you my ego. I give you my thought processes. I give you what I think I know about your word. I give you anything that is a slight variation of your truth within me. God, I just, I don't want it in me. All I want in me is your truth so that it just naturally is growing through me and that it's this intuitive process that I just enjoy you living through me. And I am committed to taking your word and filling my mind with it, your law, your logic, the way that you think through the context of the new covenant that is secure in the blood of Christ in my identity in him. Father, help me find ways to just keep my mind and my heart set on you. 
Because I don't even have to think about it anymore. It just, it's just the, it just happens. It's just the byproduct of a relationship with you.